Hey there, sex troopers. Sex nerd Sandra here. A uh, happy Halloween. Hi. Um, this episode, I am excited. I am thrilled. Oh, God, it's, it's kind of funny when I, I can't figure out what word really describes how I'm feeling. I feel tingly in the area just below my rib cage. That is what I'm feeling. It's the tingles. I have been chasing uh, Caitlin Doty around the last six, eight months, uh, texting with her. Uh, we just couldn't uh, nail down a time to talk about sex and death. So finally we got it and just in time for Halloween. Yay! Of course, this leads me into my trigger warning. Hey, guess what? <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, we're talking about death. Um, and fascinatingly enough, Halloween, possibly the sexiest or most arousing holiday of the year. Stay tuned and you'll find out why. However, if you do find this kind of talk about mm, death and what happens to your body when you die and stuff like that, you might want to... Mm, you know, just have a conversation with yourself about it. But, um, but it's, it's quite lighthearted and I had a great time. And Caitlin Doty is eloquent, shockingly eloquent. I caught her at the end of a long book tour traveling thing. She'd just gotten home to her swank apartment and she threw down the knowledge. Um, speaking of swank apartment, actually, um, I noticed something. <laughs> Did I mention this last week? I don't remember. I just noticed, like, just, um, one moment, I had no knowledge of this, and then in another moment, it all became crystal clear. I looked around my apartment and realized it's covered in naked people. You know, you just don't notice those things. It just creeps in like the frog sitting in the water as it slowly boils. I don't know if that's a real thing. Um, yeah, slowly every piece of art in my apartment almost it has nipples or, or an orgy happening, or there's a, like a pinup situation. There's like, there's a lot of nudity and, and sex and a lot of red going on in my apartment. Now I try to lead a balanced life. And when I notice things like this, it's time to, to rectify this. Like I need to buy more pictures of monkeys wearing human clothing or something. I did. I need to, I don't know, and maybe get more turquoise, something in here. There's a lot of, it's starting to look like a brothel. Speaking of brothel, I just picked up a book called um, Behind the Red Lights, History of Prostitution in Tombstone, Arizona. Um, this is not a book I am recommending to you. I am just laughing at it because I picked this up when I was actually driving through Tombstone, Arizona, which is a ghost town, mining town, um, old school, and... Uh, known to have many brothels in its day. And I finally cracked open this book that I picked up while I was there. And it is so judgy. It's it's supposed to be a history of prostitution. And in the first few pages, it totally goes off on how these women, it's sad that they all had to be prostitutes, even though some wanted to, and some really wanted to make money, but it's still a total bummer. Like, it's like, dude, you're writing a history about sex workers in the old West and you're totally down on them about it. <laughs> like, calm down. And then the next page, he's all, uh, uh, you know, a lot of these women just didn't know any better and they didn't know anything about the government and they didn't, the government didn't know anything about them. There weren't food stamps and whatever. Um, so it's sad, but then the government really shouldn't 
hang out, do anything for us anyway. So, and these people were pretty tough in that day, so it's no big deal. Like, this is what I'm reading in a book that's supposed to be just a history of uh, it's so funny sometimes when you actually open a book and spend time with it that you thought was going to be one thing and it is something very different anyway but there's a lot of cool old school pictures in there of of portraits and things of the old west i i'm a little fascinated by that period Mm, mm. anyway getting back to it um before we turn you over to the interview about death uh new york city are you in it guess what you need to join the New York City Sex Nerd Discussion Group this Wednesday at 7.30 at Solace on East 9th Street. They're hosting a talk on comic books and sex. Fun. It's good times. Um, thank you to Katie and Darren for running that group. And if you host a group of sex nerds or listeners in your area, let me know. I'd love to hear about that. Um, so yeah, happy Halloween to everyone. I hope you have a great time and had a great time this year. Uh I appreciate you for tuning in. I really am. Um, So let's do this thing. Let's do it. Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Sex Nerd Sandra Podcast. Whoa, what are these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone... Let's start the show. I don't know. When I, I was late and I texted you and I thought, you know, oh my God, I really hope she's, you know, like cool with that. And then you texted back, oh, don't worry about it. I'm working. And I, and I immediately was like, what does that mean? What does that mean she's working? Am I going to walk in and there's going to be dead people? What's going to happen? Where am I going? What's happening? I think that you probably would have enjoyed that if I actually had piles of dead bodies here <laughs> to show you. No, I would not. Dead have. bodies are fascinating. They're completely fascinating. Uh, not surprise dead bodies. Oh, right. Surprise <laughs> dead bodies. Yeah, no, I was answering emails, which takes up a large bulk of my time. Oh, my God. This is insane. Uh, emails from people who have death questions or yeah, people from death questions. And now I do a lot of advocacy. That's almost more of what I do than actual death work. Okay. Like an activism so, thing. Or yeah, like- I don't know if activism is the right word, but just going around talking, um, blogging like, like public, speaking, public speaking or like showing up in court to be like that dead body belongs to the family no i wish i did that oh, okay. no i feel like i was like like a child advocate <laughs> right, except right. a corpse advocate no that would be incredible no that's not what i do yeah mostly public speaking um talking to different groups talking to um yeah also everyone from the corners association to mm. south by southwest to yeah. small groups of elderly people you know you never know who's gonna need somebody who knows a lot about death right right it's like you do you need you need somebody who knew a lot about yeah i need called me up and i know of no one else who wants who wants or knows or has thoughts about this stuff so you are the person well here i am and i disappointed you by not having piles of corpses (laughs) waiting for you in my apartment and i apologize uh driving across town in a panicked la traffic frenzy of oh god so much many things to do i am appreciative that 
just like at a sex party, how you don't want the sex happening right at the front door. You want it maybe oh. in another room. Maybe you start out with some some snacks and conversation. I want dead potties in the next room. That makes so much sense. <laughs> because, yeah, that makes total... I think there's a lot of parallels probably between the sex experience and the death experience in that you have to hold somebody's hand and ease them into it ah. and make sure they're comfy mm-hmm. and that there are little reminders that there's going to be sex or death involved before you actually you don't want to just throw them into the pit whether it isn't whether it's an orgy or a or, death pit or a death or, or death pit bodies. yeah <laughs> right that's that's accurate right that- <laughs> totally that's yeah that's our first death fact for the day is that they're, <laughs> the problem with saying stuff like that is then you get quoted oh without the the sarcastic fun podcasty content and right. people are like oh what she it's so disrespectful that she would just say they put bodies in pits like, it's no no she didn't actually say that you're you're lucky you. that this is Nerdist, and no one, people rarely quote anything of mine. When people t- quote, it's usually on Twitter, and I can do it back like, when did I say that? That sounds ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Or I go, that was pretty smart. One of the two. Um, so well, tw- Twitter is a pretty fair medium for that. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if somebody quoted, she has piles of bodies in her room on Twitter, I'd probably retweet it. <laughs> Oh, see, now you said that. I know. Uh, hey, everyone. Uh, okay, so Caitlin Doty. Hi. Did I say your name? Yeah, Dodie, you did. Yeah, nobody gets it right on the first time. What do they say? Dowdy, Doherty. Oh. They add all Dodie. sorts of other letters that don't need to be there. Well, my last name is Doherty. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. I, I forgot about that. I just thought of your, I thought your name was like sex nerd, last name <laughs> Sandra. But... I'm I'm an official person in the world. Wow! Okay, I pay so taxes. you're you're, you're Doherty? Doherty, 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 like uh, walk through the door and get uh, some tea. Doherty, yeah, Doherty. I say I say bread dough T-shirt. Bread dough, dough T-shirt dough tea I, dough tea. I can see that bread dough. Do re mi Vasalati. Oh yeah. Tea. Oh, you can just memorize the the, the seventh interval from do yeah. tea and sing it. Yeah, the, I'm I'm do. Remy Fasovla tea. <laughs> Do tea. Yeah, that's a that's a missed opportunity. Maybe next time. What were uh if people have thoughts of how to uh, help people pronounce your name, what's your Twitter handle? Oh, uh at the good death. Oh. So that brings me to what do you do out in the world that would would encourage me to sit with you in your uh fascinating and slightly creepy apartment uh, to talk about death other than pile up the bodies in my room? <laughs> uh I'm a licensed mortician. Mm-hmm. I've worked in the funeral industry for about a little over 7 years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, about a couple, maybe four years ago, I decided that I wanted to be more public about what was going on behind the scenes in the funeral industry, mm-hmm. because it's not an industry that gets a lot of attention or critical scrutiny mm-hmm. or just general openness with the public. Mm-hmm. So I started a group called the Order of the Good Death, mm-hmm. which are death industry professionals and academics and artists who are trying to just talk about death in a more open way. Mm-hmm. And I started a web series called Ask a Mortician. Which, Which is, is so really, funny. No, it's a it's a kitschy mess. But thank you for saying that. I I think that my world and my brain lives in the kitschy mess area, maybe because I'm like, this is my jam right mm-hmm. here. So thank you for creating that. Thank you. Yes, and it's just basically people ask questions, and I gab about death questions, not any sort. Although they do feel free to ask whatever they want, but um, normally death questions are what I answer. 
And then I just wrote a book called mm-hmm. Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and Other Lessons from the Crematory. Which I was just at in New York at the uh, Morbid Anatomy Museum and asked for your book and totes sold out. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I did an event there, I guess, probably two weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. And we sold out. Although they should get on that. Yeah. I'm going to... I'm going to talk to some people get high up in the in the death museum world yeah um make some how, demands how's your book doing it, it seems like a hot seller it's good it was it was a new york times bestseller hey. which is shocking to me but incredibly exciting and uh yeah it's it's going really well it had another bump i was on fresh air fresh Ooh. air fresh air npr's fresh air terry gross fresh air fresh, fresh, fresh air and um yeah that was that was really Good because people, a lot of people who listen to Fresh Air are people who purchase books. They are and are of that of that ilk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was good for it, and yeah, just a lot of word of mouth. So it's going, it's going really well. I think. I mean, it's not completely overturned the traditional death industry as of one month of its release, mm-hmm. but it's it's doing really well. I mean, that's. I mean, the way I think of it in terms of my work is it will just seep into the the communal consciousness and slowly invade people's bedrooms in a sex positive manner and everyone will feel well slightly better yeah exactly it's it's that we're running the marathon not the sprint right rome was not the rome of sex or death positivity it was not built in a single day and you just gotta you know be a little little fly in their ointment of their <sighs> lives that they think are totally normal and and safe you gotta just put them put the flies in there yeah, and what a way to make someone feel a little unsafe is by talking about death. And why talk about death on a sex show? That's a good question. <laughs> why, why did you have me? Yeah, uh, I think, well, there's a lot of connections between sex and death. Not only the culture now and the people mm-hmm. who are choosing to be public and open about it, mm-hmm. but also just, you know, and, and so, well, there's, there's, there's love and death, there's sex and death. I think there's necrophilia. There's necrophilia and death. Yeah, that's I mean that's the kind of go-to easy one. Do you want to talk about necrophilia? Do you want to just like jump into that? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that? I mean, is that? What do you have to say about necrophilia? Like, I have uh, questions, but I feel like you will answer them in your thoughts. I, I just want to know. Unfocused. I, I'm open. I'm open to, to necrophilia. Is questions. that a thing? It's well, it's a thing that has happened. Like, it's a thing that does exist. It's mm-hmm. not like dragons or something. Although debatable whether mm-hmm. those exist or not. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> it's it doesn't happen as frequently as people think it does. Okay. It's a, lot, a much more transgressive thought. Like people think about it in the same way they think about cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god, that would be that would be crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and they, it's more of a titillating thought than it is something that really happens. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who tend to be necrophiliacs, which again are a teeny tiny percentage, are usually motivated not so much by the idea of a serial killer attraction to a dead body, mm-hmm. so much as they want an unrejecting partner. Whoa! They want someone who isn't going to judge them. They want someone who isn't going to judge their performance. Mm-hmm. And if it's a dead body, they're incredibly non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. So they've kind of found their ideal partner. Oh, I know, I know. When you really get into necrophilia, it's not as like oh, oh, scandalous anymore. It's kind of someone that you just want to give a. Hu- I mean, you don't you don't want to give them a hug in the sense that they did commit a crime in most mm-hmm. states, and it is pretty horrible for the family mm-hmm. to have that happen mm-hmm. but the person who would do it is usually kind of a sad character oh man 
Yeah, that, no, that's interesting. Thank you for broadening my perspective. A necrophilia isn't something that I think about on a daily basis or weekly, really. Maybe really, monthly. Because you asked me about it well, right away. <laughs> I don't want okay. to do any psychology here, but... It's, I mean, that is like... I mean, if you think about what's the connection, I mean, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is necrophilia, which is kind of like when you say butt stuff, it's like people immediately think the biggest (laughs) thing in the smallest hole, like, no, no, you know, and, uh, and you have to work your way back from there. So now that we've touched on that, that's a really good joint metaphor for those things. I get uh, anal sex metaphors work for anything. I swear. Like every time it goes right to the butt stuff. I don't understand, but I love it. Um, so also real dolls and, and not real dolls, uh, synthetic dolls, like love dolls. Yeah. Um, those, cause there's so many amazing artists out there creating those dolls. That seems like a, maybe a more effective and easier. Right. Or, or I, I talked to a friend of mine who's a dominatrix and she said, you know, you can have necro play or you can have role play where somebody just portrays a dead body. You can hire a sex worker. You can have somebody do something for you. Absolutely. That doesn't involve breaking into a funeral home or doesn't involve you horrifying a family. So do you have groupies that hope that they can get access to the bodies that you've access to? It's not some... I don't get that as much, although I probably have gotten that. I get more, I would let you do things to my dead body. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> I think... I don't remember where I saw this, but this is a question you get a lot. Like, are you a goth? Yeah. Because you have this uh, beautiful, long, dark, dark brown hair with blunt bangs, a little... A touch of Betty Page going on. Um, I don't know. And... I just, I, are you a sad person? Is that why you're a mortician? Well, goths are so, what's interesting, I, I don't consider myself a goth, although I have a lot of respect for the subculture and certainly dabbled in it, um, or I guess have intersections with it on the Venn diagram of my life. But a lot of goths aren't sad at all. They're incredibly, like they have meetups at Disneyland with their children. You know, they're incredibly happy people and revel in the darkness. And they are, they are goths because the darkness makes them happy and morbidity makes them happy mm-hmm. um but I, morbidity makes them happy morbidity makes them happy. interesting yeah. i'm a bit i would say i was a, a like you were a sex nerd i would say that i'm a death nerd is okay. a better description of me and my hair just kind of look my hair's been like this since junior year of high school i just kind of <laughs> look like this it's easy my hair does this it, mm-hmm. it the bangs are easy to keep up and don't don't look shitty when i wake up in the morning and that's what I look like. And when you can see my apartment, it has a, it has a dark tinge to it, but it's not, you know, I don't have like cobwebs or dark, dark velvet reds or candelabras. No, what would you call this? I mean, we've got kind of a, a dark creamy color to the walls and some antiquiness going on. Um, the, the pinned butterflies in the, in the cases. And I like, I like mid century modern things. I like naturalism in general, there's a, uh, insects pinned to the, in your kitchen. Ooh, is that a stick bug? What is that? Yeah, it's giant. I don't actually know which bug that is, but it's really. I think there might be. Do you want me to go tell you? I think there might be a little pin on it. Uh, yeah, sure. Well, I you do that. I'm gonna stare at the little furry taxidermy creature. I had to move over to the side That's to plug an in ermine. my an ermine. 
I, I moved over a taxidermied ermine. Very cute. Like a tiny, tiny little uh, foxy oh, rodent. Oh, I can't find it. I might have to remove it to find it, but I'll get back to you. I'll tweet <laughs> okay. at you exactly it's what huge. that massive stick bug is in the bug collection. It's fun. There's a there's an ominous uh, pitchfork fork uh, in the kitchen. It's like there's just all these interesting details in your... Like, like, what what does it mean to from? Because when I went to the um, Museum of Morbid Anatomy in New York, and I've been to like Necromance in Los Angeles and places where there's taxidermy, a lot of skeletal stuff. There is a certain, and I can't, I don't know what it is, but for me, and I don't know if anybody else feels this, but I, I get a certain amount of titillation, almost as if like I want to be more alive because it's kind of it's scary that death is a thing that will happen you know it's terrifying but also makes me want to be yeah i love life yeah death is the mother of beauty whoa we had that's not me (laughs) i didn't just come up with that on the spot um but yeah that's that's the idea is that being around things that are are dead or memento mori things that remind us that you too will die Mm -hmm. makes us feel more alive and that's another connection between sex Mm -hmm. and death as we are weaving our two disciplines Mm -hmm. together is that when you're around death and when you're faced with the reality that you will die for a lot of people it excites sexual energy and it and it drives I think a drive both towards sex and towards love mm-hmm. because you realize that time is finite and sees the day and sees the penis or whatever it is because <laughs> sure. Sees them all. Sees them all. Yeah. Sees, sees the butt stuff. Sees the, <laughs> sees the butt stuff. Oh, as Napoleon once said, <laughs> <laughs> sees the butt stuff. Um, what was your, like, why did you write a book about this? Was it, um, no, not about the sex thing. Was sex in your book? There is no, no, there's not sex. There's, there's a, well, there was a scene where I have sex with someone not graphically described, but okay. there is a, there's a passing mention to sex. So it's not that there's no sex. The focus is mostly death, but there is a, a storyline in the book about how kind of just what we were just talking about, how when I was 23 mm-hmm. and I started working, cremating bodies, cremating dead bodies. And that's what I did every day as a mm-hmm. job. I was suddenly opened up to all of these fears that I wasn't going to get to accomplish the things in my life that I wanted to accomplish. Oh, like pushed it right in your face. Yeah. One of those things, you know, for some people it's like, say, you know, say goodbye to everyone they care about or learn Russian. And for me, it was being in love, like deeply, soul crushingly, massively in love. And I had been with people, but never really had that. Mm -hmm. And I was really pushed to do it or felt compelled to do it because death was, you know, the cold gnarled bony hand was on my shoulder. And so I was driven towards sex and driven towards love with mixed results in that Mm -hmm. I kind of projected a lot of love onto somebody who didn't really deserve it. Mm -hmm. But you were in a hurry. I was in a hurry. I I didn't have time. (laughs) I didn't have time for that shit. Um, So yeah, but, but I think that's another connection as well. And, And there's, I've heard, multiple people tell me that doctors also have that as well. When they're around a lot of mortality, it can increase sex drive or just increase. And, and part of it is a denial mechanism, mm-hmm. you know, cause when you have sex, you, um, procrastinate, procrastinate, yeah, procrastinate, procrastinate. <laughs> and also, um, George, when you're fearing death or you're faced with death, George Bataille says that when you have that moment of, of orgasm, you're one with the universe mm-hmm. or one with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And for a second, you are deathless, oh, which is appealing when you are 
faced with decomposing and cremated corpses every day, which can be a harsh reality. Yeah. So to have that kind of escape was something that I was seeking. Interesting. It, it strikes me as the, the ultimate destruction uh, you run away and, and for the ultimate creation. And so exactly. Really, yeah. And, that, and that's another, you know, when we, when we have sex, we create new life. And when we mm-hmm. create new life, we create new death. Oh, no. Caitlin. <laughs> I'm just bringing your podcast right on down. Oh, man. We started so well. We had necrophilia and butt stuff. And the now I'm just. circle of life. Oh, no. oh gosh. Sorry. So, who are these death positive people? Uh, what is this community about? Yeah, there's I mean, a lot. There's a lot of them. So, death positive was something that I made up, but it was it was it was okay, because you made it up. Yes, yes, I love it. I made it up. I mean, I made it. Up. I mean, it was an it was an easy leap. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't a great because I had started and you know I'd been on Dan Savage a couple times mm-hmm. and Chris Ryan and all of these people who were sex positive people mm-hmm. or engaged in sex edu- cultural sex education mm-hmm. and had fantastic ideas and were totally doing it right. I thought, and they were really interested in death in kind of the same way that I'm interested in sex. Mm-hmm. And these are two cultural, whether or not they're taboos, you can argue for or against, but things that we don't, aren't totally open about. And we really need reformation in how we're talking about them and how we're, how we're dealing with them and how we're facing them and what we do and do not accept as quote unquote respectable behavior around both of them. Right. And so there was sex positivity and I sort of, I made a thing probably, I guess almost two years ago on, on Twitter or Facebook that said basically, Hey, why when you Google death positive, there's this huge amounts of sex positive in the community. Why mm-hmm. when you Google death positive, do you get nothing? Yeah. Basically. And people have really liked it because I think death positive too has the initial impact of, wait, what do you mean? That can't be, no, no, that can't be right. Like Suicide death, pass? Death, yeah, exactly. What does that death mean? is never positive. And when somebody actually dies that you love very much, no, that's not going to be a positive experience. You're not going to be like, oh yeah, dad died. Woo, positive. But what death positivity does mean, I think, would be that you've done a lot of work to prepare for those things. Mm-hmm. And when the death does happen, you're not you're not as horrified about it. You're not making it about you. You're making it about the relationship. And also, death and culture are fascinating. And it's mm-hmm. okay to be a nerd about it. It's okay to geek out about it. It's okay to be really interested in it mm-hmm. without necessarily saying that death itself, the actual losing of somebody that you care about, oh. is great or positive. Uh, it's nice to hear um, someone... T- show a difference between if I say I'm blank positive, it doesn't mean I'm, I want to go and be dead or go and have sex right now. It no. just means I want to explore what this all means and prepare for it and be ready for these life experiences. Right. Well, sex positive too. I mean, I, I consider myself sex positive. You obviously know more about it than I do, but I consider everybody's expression of their sexuality as mm-hmm. long as it's not illegal or there's consent involved to be fair game mm-hmm. and to have everybody do what works for them and figure out what works for them and take that time to engage with it. Kind of the same thing with death. Take the time to engage with how you feel about death, what your thoughts are, what you might want with your dead body, mm-hmm. what you might want as an end of life plan. And it's a similar, yeah. it's a, I think there's a lot of connections between them and people, people like it as a, as a phrase, because I think both of them really, speak to what we should be doing and having an open 
open attitude. Sounds like there's a lot of death negativity in this culture. There is. I would say the majority is death negativity. <laughs> because what I think of in terms of death options, I mean, because in the, it's just like relationship options. Monogamy, uh, it, your relationship will lead to marriage. There may be children, but you do have a choice about whether you have kids or not in this day and age. And then eventually you die or there's a divorce. One of those, <laughs> both of those will probably, I don't know. Um, but that's a, like a familiar path for many people. And then other people find out, Oh, I have other options. Let me explore those options and see if those work for me. So with death in my, uh, regular old Joe mind, uh, here in, uh, America, I just know that, I mean, sure. I could create a will, I could think, I meditate on it, but at the end of the day, I get to be cremated or buried. Um, I get buried in a thing that gets put in a big other thing so that it's like airtight, like I'm in Tupperware under the ground. And and a lot of people are black and they eat a lot of snacks and they cry. Like that's... That's that's what happens. Like right. there's, that's is, the only option, right? Which is interesting because that is the equivalent of like vanilla sex monogamy, right? You get to, and when you're getting wild, maybe you get on your knees. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Generally on your back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, we could do we could do this for hours. <laughs> just the parallels here. <laughs> uh, yeah, and there are a lot of other options, and there will continue to be other options the more that people push for them. The mm-hmm. more the people. So, for example, I am not a buried in the Tupperware kind of person. Mm-hmm. I am a natural burial person, which means mm-hmm. that I believe that you should be just dug a hole in the ground, shroud my body, put me straight in four feet deep, mm-hmm. decompose right away, zip through decomposition. And my zip through woo, <laughs> and bone. Um, and my, I'm like, that seems really unsafe. It could get into the water. There's bacteria. It's a whole thing. Um, that seems dangerous for these people who are still alive. Uh, wild animals could get you. Um, what say you <laughs> to all of those accusations? Yeah. Um, well, they're they're not true, so there we'll go with that. Um, they, it's really not. I mean, it's how we did burial for thousands of years of human history. This mm-hmm. idea of the vault underground and the sealed casket mm-hmm. and the buried way down is a really modern Western conception mm-hmm. of death so dead bodies for the most part unless they have some crazy unless they have ebola unless they have sars or measles some crazy infectious disease mm-hmm. dead bodies are completely safe the bacteria that causes decomposition the bacteria mm-hmm. that's eating your way eating its way out of your body when you die is not the bacteria that causes disease mm-hmm. completely different bacteria okay there's no proof that bodies in a in a regulated natural burial, just body in the ground cemetery, get in the groundwater. Mm-hmm. And as far as animals, you just know your environment. You know what animals are there. You know how far deep you would have to bury something. You mm-hmm. know what kind of rocks you would but you, know, you just know what you would have to do to prevent that from happening based on your geography. So you feel like, um, just like with sex, do you feel like a lot of rules and laws made around death is, is, do you think it's misunderstanding? Do you think it's fear? Yeah, both. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's the, the funeral industry has been really good at promoting the idea that dead bodies are dangerous and that they Mm -hmm. are the professionals that handle the body, handle the bottle bodies and, and know what they're doing. And it's not safe for the average Joe to come in and, and handle a body, which is really not, not true. And funeral homes provide a valuable service in that not everybody is ready to handle the body themselves, but Mm -hmm. funeral homes are not necessary the way that a lot of other cultural institutions are. So, 
you sound like you're, I mean, as a mortician, you sound like your industry's whistleblower a little bit. Like, a little uh, bit, yeah. And it's not, I'm not trying to take down the industry. I'm just trying to push it to get them to change. You know, and, and the, the farther that I push things and the farther that people want all these new options and push for them, the harder it's going to be for a local funeral director to just say, well, we have the rosewood casket and the maple casket <laughs> and the steel casket and which one would mother like? They can't hang out with that status quo anymore because mm-hmm. people will want a lot more. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to figure out what the parallel is. If we're going to play this game <laughs> in the in the sex world, I'm I'm thinking uh, childbirth. Definitely, there's a medicalization and and fear mongering around that. But like in terms of sex, I guess you can kind of just do it at home. I don't know if it's religion. Like when you control sexuality, you control the culture. You control people when you do that. Um, I'm just trying to think about who's profiting off of sex control. Yeah, sex control. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Sex control. Mm. Follow the money, Caitlin. Yeah, Follow I know, it. I know, I know. I get it with death control, but sex control. I mean, I guess yeah, I guess politicians. Mm. I guess religion. And the thing about death, though, is that it's not. It, obviously, I believe personally that death causes religion, or that religion springs up from our fear of death. And that's a whole another thing that I won't get into mm-hmm. here, but. Interestingly enough, in America, we we do have strong religion, but it doesn't play out that meaningfully in rituals anymore. Mm -hmm. So the death system is in place where we embalm the body, chemically Mm -hmm. preserve the body, put it in the ground. But it's not like a lot of religions get a huge amount of pleasure from that or or meaning, I guess, Mm -hmm. from that specific model of death. Right. That's not, I mean, the, the party the the gathering at the I don't I haven't been to many funerals. Most people haven't who are your age in, okay. in this day and age. It used to be if you were you know if this was a hundred years ago you would have been to more funerals than you would have been to sex parties for sure. <laughs> oh, many more. Oh man, when you have to have a competition between funerals and sex parties, you know you're living a loud life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, or something. Um, no, yeah, I think that's accurate. <laughs> uh. I don't even. I'm kind of blown away by all these new ideas that you are presenting to my brain right now. I, I keep thinking back to like, so what is it about death being kind of sexy? Like, what is that? And then I think about. I, I know we met a long time ago, actually, and you'd mentioned something about death and sex being related in the animal kingdom. Mm. Like, I remember what you're saying. Like, for some species reproduction can't happen without someone dying oh yeah Yeah. and that struck me as like holy whoa Mm -hmm. um well and i mean i guess it depends on how much you believe in like evolution evolutionary psychology or where you are on that and how much sex is pleasure and how much of it is reproduction Mm -hmm. and if you're reproducing aren't you trying to isn't it just an immortality grab basically mm-hmm. because anything that w- the argument would be that anything we do because an immortality grab based on our fear of death. Mm-hmm. So you doing a podcast, me being a death positive advocate, uh, somebody having a child, somebody having sex and producing a child is all this grab to, to live on in some way because we're mm-hmm. afraid of the fact that we're finite and we're going to die. And for a lot of people, that's what reproduction does. I'm going to have to think about that. Cause I have thought about like, because I was 
raised you know, by people who were like super like change the world, like help humanity. And so I kind of was like, well, it's up to me, which messes with you psychologically, but I kind of got over that, but it's still like, Oh, I have a strong drive to, um, do things that are bigger than myself to help and, and be connected to people. But Dude, how much of that's just sort of some baseline animal instinct to be like, oh shit? Probably a lot of it, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole, that's how we became advanced mm-hmm. creatures, is mm-hmm. our knowledge of death. Mm-hmm. We're one of the few animals that really do understand that we're going to die. Most animals are living on much baser instincts. That doesn't mean that humanity has gone particularly well in a lot of ways. You know, I'm not pro-humanity necessarily. But I don't think that it's a bad thing to acknowledge hmm. our drives through death. So the fact that you feel this compulsion to, to do more, even if it is driven by the fact that you know that you're going to die, awakening to that can maybe even push you further. Hmm. Because you look at it and you, and you can know what's real. You can be more self-aware. So you can know what's real and not real. What is being driven just by instinct and what is my actual? Where do I really live? What's my real advocacy? Hmm. Gosh. Uh, somebody was saying, oh God, who was it? That all the ways that we, we learn to be funny, the way we learn to do anything is just uh, ways for us to develop um, our Techniques for getting a mate, basically. Oh, interesting. This is learning to sing. Um, anything. It, it's right. all about being attractive, um, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. Because so, I, I mean, I think I, I call it looking through corpse colored glasses. <laughs> oh, my God. For me. So maybe you look through like, you know, vagina colored glasses or something. But sure. the, the idea of looking through your own discipline, mm-hmm. like looking at everything through your own discipline just because you're so immersed in it. Mm-hmm. You've done so much reading. You've done so much thinking. And so everything's going to be filtered through that. So whereas I might say you know, everything that we do, everything we try to accomplish is because of our fear of death and f- desire to be immortal mm-hmm. in some way, you might say that everything we're doing is, is for attraction and for mm-hmm. mating and for, and for sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if the, the truth is somewhere in between those two things on yeah. the Venn diagram of sex and death. I feel like we're dancing around it, man. I know. It's right there. I know. I wonder if somebody is listening who is like, you're almost there. <laughs> yeah, someone you, knows. You got it. Someone, knows. someone just knows. And yeah. they're, they're sitting with their headphones on, flipping out right now. Tweet at the good death. Yeah, tweet at, at the good death. Sandra. Exactly. <laughs> Let us know. Let us know. Let us know what that exact center point is. Oh my goodness. This is exciting. Um, I just went to a play, an immersive play in New York. You may have heard of it called Sleep No More. I I went two years ago. It's fantastic. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. One of the dancers, it was kind of funny because halfway through one of the dancers ran at me like during a dance scene that he was doing and didn't, I don't think he didn't see me and he he elbowed me like he ran basically jousted me in the stomach and for for another hour i was like immersed in this intense Macbethian world of like hospitals and dark bedrooms and fear and and murders and and also worried about my own internal organs at the same time (laughs) it was really scary did Um, you get like a free ticket or something i emailed them um there was some back and forth but they ended up being awesome so yeah it was fine good Uh, i mean like and I talked to a medical professional and they were like, you should probably go to a doctor. And then I didn't cause I was yeah. in New York. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. It's like, Oh, are you anyway. okay now though? 
yeah yeah i'm fine i'm fine i feel fine it's one of those things like hmm, is my uterus okay nah, probably yeah, yeah yeah um but you know don't dismiss your medical concerns about something don't do as i do mm-hmm. <laughs> uh at least ask a nurse okay um but i went to sleep no more and because there was this intensity there there is this thing about being around like there's this, this creepy hospital where you know people have died halloween is coming soon and all the cobwebs and skeletons are being hung out and i'm talking to you and i'm around like, i've just been immersed in this like what is this weird feeling this seems very important yeah yeah well death is very important in our in our in our culture, in our psyche, and it, it dominates, and we're only now... I mean, Halloween is an interesting metaphor because it is, traditionally in pagan cultures, it was supposed to be the time where the veil between the living and dead was thinner. Ugh. And so things could, could cross the veil. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of... If you just use it as a metaphor, I don't think that the dead are actually coming back. Mm-hmm. But the idea of it coming back into our consciousness and us being more aware mm-hmm, of, of, of death and the role that it's playing in our lives and the feelings that it gives us and what it causes. What do you think about our obsession these last few years with zombies? I have mixed thoughts on zombies. Yeah. I am not a zombie fan necessarily. Okay. There are some people who argue that zombies are indicative of economic failure or fear mm. of contagion, but for me, zombies, all they are, quite literally, is a decomposing dead body. Mm-hmm. And they're not actually that, they're not scary beyond that, in a way. You know, they're just, they want to eat your brains, Caitlin. They want to eat your brains, but they're not really that good at it. They're not, they don't, they're not slow moving, they're not suave, they're not intelligent, they're just kind of these... See, they're not slow moving? Or no, no, they're not, they're not fast moving, oh, I okay. guess. They're, they are slow moving, mm-hmm. they're not that intelligent. The fear factor comes from them being decomposing dead bodies. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we fear them so much, I would argue, is mm-hmm. that we are so afraid of decomposing dead bodies mm-hmm. in this modern, sanitized mm-hmm. culture. And a decomposing dead body is actually something incredibly natural. Mm-hmm. Man, and yet most of us never see it. Most, Yeah, we don't see it. It's completely hidden. And the funeral industry has set up the two options that you were talking about, mm-hmm. either the cremation or the burial in the Tupperware below the earth. Mm-hmm. That doesn't allow for decomposition because you're preserving the corpse in that model. And then cremation, you're instantly turning it into inorganic bone fragments. So decomposition doesn't happen there mm-hmm. either. So there's just no decomposition hmm. that we see or have any experience with. So in that way, it can be fetishized yeah. as this zombies. Taboo. So as taboo, taboo and, and as zombies ooh. and as fear. Um, you're reminding me that uh, about the bone is I was in Peru a few years ago and we went um, near Nazca. There was, we went like off roading to go sandboarding. It's like super touristy, but so much what fun. Is sandboarding, I can't even. like sa- sliding snowboarding, down a dune? snowboarding, but on a giant, uh, giant sand. Like imagine oh, the Sahara wow. Desert, but yeah, it was amazing. Fun. But on the way, we stopped and there was this area where there were all these. Bone, human remains, bones, like all over the place. And I ended up g- g- getting down in the sand and making a snow angel around, all, like, like surrounded by like pelvic bones and wow. femurs and things. Like just all these burials that happened out there through hundreds and thousands of years. And you just, I, I'd never just, they're like, oh yeah, here's some dead body bones. Like no big deal. Just, you know how we do. I'm like, this is not something I would ever, there would be a crime scene yes. out here. Yes. Um, and that was, I think, startling for me. And yeah. the joy of being like, look, 
Again, yeah. it was kind of cool. Um, I'm off track, though. No, 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 about that's, that's a great. That's a great. It's a very similar example in a sense because we don't have exposure to many kinds of death mm-hmm. in our culture right now. So everything has to end up being transgressive or mm-hmm. taboo or titillating because we don't just you know the same way that like in the Victorian era a woman's ankle. Mm-hmm. was titillating just because it was always covered by the long dress. Mm-hmm. And so any shot of leg was this scandalous Ooh. thing. Similar thing. Any any shot of death, any showing of death's ankle right now <laughs> is is feels crazy to us. So as a mortician, because I'm actually not even familiar really with what a mortician does. I mean, you make the, you prepare it chemically for burial and make it pretty. Well, morticians do a lot of things. Um, I've worked mostly in cremation throughout mm-hmm. my career because it's Southern California and we're very big on the cremation here. Oh, okay. So I've done that for most of my career. I went to mortuary school where I learned to chemically preserve the body, but mm-hmm. I don't really do that um, because for obvious reasons, I'm into natural decomposition and, and such. And uh, right now I am starting a, a funeral home with oh. another mortician mm-hmm. and it's going to be mostly based on family death care. So the family taking care of the dead body themselves, Whoa. washing it, shrouding it, keeping it in the home. Um, and then ultimately bringing it to load into the cremation machine or to be buried. That is so creepy. Is it? No, it is, it's, it's because beautiful. It is. I'm, I'm acknowledging that I'm squicking in a way where it excites me intellectually that that it will be an option. And emotionally, I'm like, ah, ah, like, like, don't know. And then it's like, oh, yeah, probably that's cool. Right. We, but I also, in the Filipino side of my family, if you are alone with a dead body, they immediately think it's going to get them. Even mm-hmm. though it's like your beloved, your entire life, the minute you are alone with the body, the, like people in my family will have a meltdown mm-hmm. and that is my experience of of fear around that so that's amazing no, and, that's, and that's okay then that's and that reaction is mm-hmm. totally okay as long as you're willing to go oh my god okay let's see where that's coming <laughs> from let's, and it's like, again like the coming in the door of the sex party or the funeral home mm-hmm. you don't put the body or the orgy right at the door you right. <laughs> invite people in you tell them what might happen mm-hmm. you show them small diagrams whatever mm-hmm. it is and and ease them into it um so p- cultures all around the world have been taking care of their bodies like that for mm-hmm. for forever Mm-hmm. And people in America took care of bodies like that up until about a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's a relatively recent that we've taken that away from our death care mm-hmm. and given both dying and the dead body over to professionals in the mm-hmm. medical field and the funeral industry. Right. So it's just an act of reclaiming that. And it doesn't have to be religious. It doesn't have to be spiritual. It can be just functional if you want but it's just saying that the dead body is not dangerous and it actually is kind of beautiful to take care of somebody who maybe took care of you your whole life. Hmm. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yes. And taking care of them in death. It's, uh, that's, it's an amazing thing to think about. Cause you usually think about, cause you know, as my parents age, it's okay. How am I going to care for them in their old age? And it's wow. How will I care for them after they die? Right. Um, cause that's the part that often I, I you don't talk about it's like, right. Oh crap. Yep, that person's dead now. What do we do? Oh right. no. Let's go open the phone book. Yep. You know, Google, Google cremation, that, wherever you live. Right. And then they just take your loved one off somewhere. Exactly. It, that's kind of sad. So yeah, that's the, the push is against that kind I of see. system. Um, and I don't think that funeral homes are going to topple as an industry no, anytime soon. Absolutely not. But 
just people knowing that they have, because most people that I talk to just have no idea that that's an option. No idea that it's perfectly legal to keep mm-hmm. the body in your own home. Um, in most states, California included, perfectly legal to not use a funeral director at all if you don't want to. Interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting. I. So is there interest in the in this being oh, yeah. an option yeah, that people are, are hoping? Yeah, absolutely. It tends to. It started in. Um, I guess the movement to reclaim it probably started in in Northern California, mm-hmm. and it tends to be something that people, uh, it tends to be a spiritual bent to mm-hmm. it, like a death okay. midwife or a death doula. Oh, that's something in you would also do. And helping transition. Well, it was something that I do, but I am very secular. So I don't okay, do it okay. with a, with a spiritual bent. I don't, I don't have the soul. Tr- if you, you know, I would come in and if you believed that the soul was transitioning in some mm-hmm. way, I certainly wouldn't say like, no, it's not. You know, the idea is to design a ritual that means something to you mm-hmm. and your family. But I, I would start with a clear palette and then let people build ritual on top of that. Okay. You just seem like you have a lot of compassion that like you would be a good, I mean, cause do you work with families? Because to me, I think about those moments where people like write those blog articles when they're in hospice about the things you really regret in your life. And some of it's like people who stay in relationships, they shouldn't people who don't ask the person out that they don't make take right. the chances. It's those things. But what we're talking about is, is after death. And so you have this, the loved one is, is passed away and then you are dealing with people dealing with the death and, and the body. Well, I've worked with, Lots of families over my career, but it's always been in the funeral home setting. So the idea of of starting this kind of different funeral business is to work with them in a different setting and Mm -hmm. work with them in their home or work with them in a deeper way and not just have it be, okay, I'm, I'm... fascinated by your story and I want to hear you, but really the whole point of you being here is signing these contracts and, Mm -hmm. and, and I have seven other families that I have to talk to Mm -hmm. today to get these cremations or burials happening. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to spend more time and have more compassion and be more involved is something that I'm really looking forward to and hope that it works out that way. Awesome. Awesome. The overused. Awesome. 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 Um, do you ever get, I mean, this is, I feel invasive asking this. Do you ever feel sad? Um, when you're uh, working with a body, I just, I mean, do you ever find out their story? I mean, how sure. involved do you get emotionally or are you kind of like, there's another, like, is it a person it, to it you? It depends. Or is- yeah. It's always a person. You can't get involved with everyone mm-hmm. because you can't do your job. Mm-hmm, if right, you're involved right. with everyone, uh, you just don't have the emotional space of course. in yourself. But, uh, yeah, I definitely, I get sad. I'm not afraid of sadness. Okay. I guess we're kind of. Like jealousy. We're talking jealousy in my world. Like, don't be afraid of jealousy. Exactly. It's natural. Yeah. That's another, another parallel. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, that's a really good example, I think, mm-hmm. because it's when you try and say, no, I'm not sad. Sadness is bad. Optimism, America, <laughs> or jealousy is bad. I'm sex positive. No, I'm, je- no, no jealousy. You're denying natural impulses that mm-hmm. happen kind of, I guess, biologically mm-hmm. when you either you know, are with someone that you like and they're fucking someone else. Or in my case, you see something that reminds you that you're going to die or reminds you of someone Mm. you love or reminds you of a situation very close to your heart in some Mm. way. And you can't deny those feelings. And I don't, 
I try not to show them to the family. I can show them sympathy, but they want someone competent. They don't want someone weeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't want someone saying like, I can't believe you lost this baby. You know, they have yeah, enough yeah. people giving them that sympathy. Mm-hmm. They want you to know what to do. Yeah. Profesh. Profesh. Yeah. They want you to be profesh. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, I, I do allow myself to be sad if something really does hit me mm-hmm. and then just try and ask why it's hitting mm-hmm. me. Where is it coming from? Why mm-hmm. is this 22 year old man so much sadder for me than the 35 year old guy last week? Yeah. What is it about his story that mm-hmm. is for some reason getting me? Oh, do you feel like you live I mean, since you are reminded as a mortician, I mean, or you can speak for all morticians or some of them, but it are more it, being reminded about our mortality so much. Are you like in energized to live a more vibrant life? I mean, is that what pushed you to write a book? Is that what pushes you? I mean, what, how does that feed into your own energy in your life? Yes and no. I don't know that I can speak for all morticians because I don't know that all of them really have that figured out yet in Mm. a sense that they in some ways i think that they do deny it more than anyone because they can't they can't let it in because Mm -hmm. if they did it would be a flood Mm -hmm. you know so you have to build the walls very with heavy brick because if you do it'll just all come flooding out and all these people that you've helped and all of this sorrow that you've hidden will come flooding out Mm -hmm. so for me it's better to do more daily maintenance Mm -hmm. on your fears and your Mm -hmm. sadness than to than to try and wall it up Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah i i i do think i live a more vibrant life but Uh, To be honest, sometimes I struggle, like you were saying, about the desire to do something Mm -hmm. for the world. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that desire is so strong in Mm -hmm. me that I do overwork and I do, Mm. you know, I should be practicing what I preach and be out there looking at the sunset (laughs) and like have a hummingbird land on my shoulder and meditate and all these things. (laughs) But I end up, you know answering that 50th email Mm -hmm. or scheduling that talk or doing Mm -hmm. that other thing because i i do have this compulsion Mm -hmm. to do this so it's it's a balance i'm trying to get now that the book is out i'm trying to be Mm -hmm. trying to be better but it's a process your relationship with death and your relationship with life and sex is always a process it is oh man yeah as a sex educator it's and you think you figure out something and then something new pops up and wah wah Want, want, and woo. Yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely sense, I don't know, I got, got a sense that you got kind of sad there, like talking about all the stuff. I wasn't sure if I was being <laughs> no, that. No, 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 no. I was, no, it's not sad. I, I'm, it's an, it's a good challenge. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not sad. And, and again, if it was sad, sadness is okay. It is okay. Mm-hmm. I just, because I, then I was like, oh, my inner compassion. I, I'm feeling kind of, oh, <laughs> um, it's exciting. I feel like I should go jogging or something. Yes, that's if if you take away anything from this, it's that you need to be jogging more. <laughs> no, or like I don't know. I feel alive talking about it. Um, it can have that effect, and that's and that's a, a, one of the benefits. And so it's it. not super creepy if I feel slightly more aroused. Oh no, from, no, 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 not at all. Because it's not like no. I'm turned on by sex, but it just seems. By death. There, d- there almost, there is like, yeah, there seems to be like a, oh my God, I want to feel more alive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and- when you're just reminded that, you know, like the scene in Clueless where Dion almost gets hit by the like semi truck on the mm-hmm. freeway and she pulls off and then she loses her virginity to Murray that oh. night. <laughs> right. Because she was faced <laughs> so clearly with the fact that she could have gotten slammed by a semi and died mm-hmm. and that awakened her to 
her sexual feelings and her desires. It really just comes back to Clueless in the end. I I try to bring everything back to Clueless, (laughs) if at all possible. Oh my goodness. Caitlin Doty, thank you so much for taking time. Where can people find you out in the world? Oh, uh, orderthegooddeath.com, at the good death, and just type in Ask a Mortician and you'll find me. Oh my goodness. You have to watch your YouTube videos. So much fun. Um, Do you have a name for your, your future funeral home? Oh yes. It's Undertaking L.A. Okay. Is there a, like a date or is this for the uh, far future? We, we think that we're going to do a soft opening, uh, opening either in November or December. So soon. Wow, very yeah, soon. soon. Um, and then we're still working on licenses and the, I was on a book tour, so it's kind of been right. Shell. My poor partner has been, you know, Aww. shelved in the, in the business, but, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely happening and I'm definitely really excited about it. Fantastic. Congratulations on all Thank the things. You. Thank and, you. Um, this was great. Thank you for having me. I wish more people had a specific angle into death. Oh. Like sex. Yeah. As opposed to just like, how'd you get into this? <laughs> oh. It's great that you have, that we had a whole starting point that was really rich. Yeah. Uh, it feels good. I also have a fascination with mainstream interviewing. I'm realizing this. <laughs> like, if you do, I've done enough speed dating to know that asking questions really helps anyway that's a whole thing hi caitlin doty um as we say on this podcast uh, go team fun yeah yeah let's do it let's go jogging <laughs> let's right go now jogging let's fucking jog bye bye now leaving nerdist.com